guest today is Paul Sear um, at CrossFit Worcester at the new, well, new to me location, new since last about time I was here. Years, about yeah, three years. Three years here. It's it's huge and it's awesome. And Paul was a coach of mine and a longtime friend since I was a member at CrossFit Worcester. It was first CrossFit and best CrossFit I ever trained at. And not to mention, you were the absolute best athlete that we've ever had. Oh, for sure. I mean, usually anywhere <laughs> I go, I'm the apex of what an athlete is. <laughs> um, I... I want to talk about all like the stuff we've already been talking about the whole time and get into it. But I think first, if you could just talk about CrossFit, because not everybody, surprisingly enough, knows what CrossFit is. So we'll fill those people in. But CrossFit a little bit and then CrossFit Worcester and what your gym is all about. Sure. And CrossFit is probably the hardest exercise methodology to talk about because it essentially includes everything. And get a little closer here so we can hear you. Yeah, so we yeah. can hear the fans and stuff going on. We just want to hear your voice louder. So when Greg Glassman put CrossFit together, basically he put took a whole bunch of modalities from gymnastics to weightlifting, uh, a lot of strength components to it, and sort of neatly packaged it. So whatever you can think of, whether it's running or biking or rowing or Olympic lifts, gymnastics, he just packaged it neatly, and then he sold it as that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, fun- functional movements, right? So we're not just going to, uh, you know, run on our treadmill constantly or, or road running constantly. So it's multimodality. So it's never one thing and it's always changing. That's what I liked about it when I was doing it. It's um, and I still work out in a similar fashion. It's you're working out to be healthier, to have more mobility, to be stronger in everyday life as opposed to spending all of your time running. You do run and you do get fitter and your oh, yeah. heart gets to get going you, and you do lift and you do, you do stretching and gymnastic type movements. And I thought that was really um, fresh at the time. And it was interesting to work out that way because I had always either lifted or run. Well, it never you gets old. I mean? No, no, it's always What are we new. doing tomorrow? Right. I have no idea. Like, this is so exciting. Yeah, it's, it is exciting. So then when you get to CrossFit Worcester, you guys decide, and we're going to get into the story of how you and your partners form it, but mm-hmm. what's different about your CrossFit gym? What's, what's, um, is there a special sauce or something different about this gym than other boxes people are going to go into? Well, of course, 100%. I mean, we, we pride well, ourselves. Well, first of all, you trained the world's best athlete in me. You, right? 100%. Yeah. <laughs> and the best. <laughs> so one thing we pride ourselves on, we try to be a CrossFit gym for regular people. Right. We don't really care that a badass walks in here and he kind of already knows what to do and he's really good at it. Like, whatever. You know, fuck him in a way. And, and I say that in part because he's not really the guy who needs the extra attention. Mm-hmm. We always focus on the people who actually need the attention. You know, the new person, the one who hasn't. They've been sedentary on their couch for the past 20 years. Yeah. They're a college athlete and they've taken five years off. They sort of let themselves go a little bit, which we talked about happens to all of us. Yeah. Now they're the standard person. Right. Yeah. So they come in here, they're a little lax with the movement, you know, they might not be comfortable. So what we'll do is we'll give them the majority of the attention and we'll scale them back to something they're comfortable with, right? So the goal when you show up here is not being able to destroy a workout right away. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, if you show up consistently, you'll grow at a pace that's very comfortable for you. So we do pull people out of their comfort zone a little bit, but we don't make people uncomfortable. Right. Right. There's There's kind of a difference there. And before That's you know that it, turned off. You hear that difference? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. yeah. Before you know it, now you're starting to see these gains. And having done this for 11 years now, mm-hmm. I, I, see, I see these people. They walk in here. They're completely out of shape. You know, they're disgusted with themselves. Mm-hmm. And what I see is a whole lot of potential. Yeah. So we work from there. We build them up slowly. And if they stick with it, if they just show up, and like we talked about, it's fun. You know, then we start seeing these gains. And man, I'll tell you, some of these guys I don't see because they go to a different class than I might go to. Or they mm-hmm. might go to the 5.30 a.m. or the 11.30. And I don't always see them. 
And I see him a month later, two months, and I'm like, oh, this is amazing. Like, look at this guy. He's not the same person. It feels good to influence life that way, right? Right. Not only that, like, they're just walking with more confidence Mm -hmm. because they're happy with themselves. Well, I can honestly say, it sounds like ass kissing, but I can honestly say I've been to three different CrossFits, um, and they're all good. I don't have a bad thing to say about any of them, but none of them were as personal as this one, where this one, I always felt like the coaching was more... Um, personalized and focused sure. as well as the environment. You well, guys had you. a lot of personal um, just activities, even outside of the workout where you would have like, we would do comp contests and you'd involve a cookout in the parking lot. And there was, it was very community based, which was very supportive and very like open to everybody. And I think when you're walking into a, a CrossFit or a gym, but yeah. especially CrossFit where it's got a, it's got a competition slant to it, oh, yeah. at least in the media, right? If you're not, that competition person, you're probably a little bit nervous. And if you're going to come in and see a bunch of muscle heads throwing weight up to the ceiling and you're, um, you're nervous, right? And I think that you can't get rid of that nervous feeling for day one, but you can show them on day one that it's a different type of environment. I think you guys, you really do a good job at that. And that's why I wanted to talk to you in particular, because I think it's, it's meaningful for people because at the risk of sounding, you know, too serious, it can change a life to, to not, to get fit, to get your confidence back, to get your body back, to get your health back. You know, it, it's life-changing. Health, health and wellness is sort of my thing. Yeah. Right? That's my jam. But seeing people get fit and them changing their lives, I don't think that's an overstatement at all. Yeah. No, I don't either. I think, I mean, it, go ahead. It, it, it changes everything. That person walking in here who's scared, they're getting the attention. They're getting that positive attention and it's very personable. That, I'd like to say that's by design, mm-hmm. right? But we choose our coaches because they are personal. Sure. We don't care how badass they are as an athlete. We want people who can relate to other people. Who can coach someone. And that's why it is by And design. make them feel really, really comfortable. That's far more important to us. And if I had to put a couple of words on what our special sauce is, mm-hmm. we actually give a shit. Mm-hmm. It, know, comes, it comes through. We've, we've been doing it so long. It's not just a business to us. And that's sort of the mentality. Like before we even opened the doors to our first gym, the mentality wasn't, oh, let's open a gym and just make a whole boatload of money. Mm-hmm. All three of us, you know, and I'm just a co-owner, right? All three of us, we all have real jobs. Mm-hmm. If this didn't survive tomorrow, we would be fine. You know, we're not, we're not going to be, you know, waiting for, uh, you know, in, in, in lines for the, uh, you know, to get food or anything right. like this. Right, which or, takes or some un- of the pressure off the unemployment. of turning that, that, turning the numbers always increasing or always growing. It takes, not that there isn't pressure, but it takes some of that off where you can design the business the way you want it to function. Well, you're exactly right. And because it's not a sole source of income for us, we can focus on what's truly important. And, and that's changing lives. It so is. the fact that we actually care, I think that's 100% our special, special sauce because we still enjoy what we do. Yeah. Because well, there we're, was, still, we're, we're always getting new people in the door and we're always seeing this transformation happen. What I thought was cool is another way that it showed that you care. So like every, every business owner says they care and most likely they do. But there's sometimes people figure out how to make it show, right? To the oh, new sure. people or to customers. And a thing that was huge for me, I, I told you before we started, that really impacted me when I started here. You didn't just throw people into the, the mats and have them start working out, but there was a bit of training. And that's fine. That, that's, that's, I think, probably fairly common. But in that training, you also talked a lot about how to eat right and how mm-hmm. to, how to, you know, what to do outside of the gym to get oh, fit. Yeah. Because um, I, I, it's no secret, right? It, without good nutrition, you can lift all day long. You're not going to get the most out of it. You're not going to get that healthy. You're not going to heal right. as quickly. You're not, you're just, and if you eat like shit, you're gonna, still going to be fat. You have to eat well, you right if you don't you look too hard lean. You can't outwork a bad diet. Right. 
And there, we, we have a few select people in here, namely Craig, who can say, yeah, you, you actually can. But he's, he's an exception, right? We're talking about rules. There are a few. There's always going to be always. a few exceptions. Right. He's, you know, he's the one who eats diet Oreos, right? But, but for the most part, you're 100% right. You cannot, there's no way you can do it. You cannot outwork a bad diet. And so I thought that was huge when in the beginning you were doing uh, some nutrition. Just, I'm not saying coaching like a personalized program for everybody, but basically talking in generalizations because everyone's sure. different. But how to think about your food, how to think about your, you know, your, your daily intake and how to think about what you're putting in your mouth and what in your face. And to me, it was, it was awesome because I've always been into that. And, you know, even back then when I was, I was heavier and not nearly um, as active, I would research and try to figure it out, but it would get confusing and there was so much information. And what I'll never forget is how simple you made it. And you have a background in nutrition. You actually have a, a position from which to give the advice and we'll get into that now, but you basically simplified it to like, you know, Eat, eat vegetables, eat meat, eat this, eat that. Does it, what would you say? Does it grow from the ground? Or does it have a mom or dad? Then, yeah, then eat right. it. So it really took a lot of confusion out of it. Well, it even gets simpler than that. It's essentially like I do four hour, uh, you know, seminars, presentations all over the state. I do police academies, private corporations, and I could walk in there and I could use three words and walk out, eat real food. Mm-hmm. And if people knew what that meant, It'd be the healthiest people in the world, but nobody knows what that means anymore. Right, that's the hard part, right? It's all become white noise. Well, and tricks. That's the worst part is the marketing tricks. Oh, you know, grass-fed beef, which which technically by law means the cow was shown a ten by ten square of grass, right. but they had to go through a cattle prod to get to it. But they had right. the option to eat grass. Oh, 100 percent. And then they're that's gonna be, awful. Then they're going to be grain finished, which changed the omega three, omega three six profile mm-hmm. right back to you know a grain-fed cow. Yeah. So it really doesn't it doesn't matter. And there's no. There's no laws on how, do they, how they have to do that, you know? So 100% it's deceptive marketing. Yeah, but I thought that was cool how you take the time to impart some of that nutrition, which is a separate business that you have and a separate yeah. thing you have going on, right. but to, to bring some of that into the CrossFit training because, you know, uh, someone's first month here, they're going to see a transformation regardless, oh, right, yeah. if they stick to it. Yeah. But if they, if they leave on the first night and they have a, just a – just a simple change. Not, I'm not saying they're going to get to a perfect diet by the end of the first month, but if they just like have an aha and they cut something out and they're doing the workouts, they're going to, they're going to be a new person in 30 days. They're going to feel a complete change. My goodness. On ramp, you know, back in the day when we had the on ramp, it was 21 days long. We've had people, you know, and I've, depending on time, right. I could give more or less nutrition information in the first week of on ramp. Mm -hmm. Well, I had some time during the first day of on-ramp and I gave some nutrition information, you know, eat real food, you know, mostly meats and vegetables surrounded with fat and, and protein, et cetera, things like this. And by the end of on-ramp three weeks, he had lost 17 pounds. I'm like, who is this guy? Like, awesome. so, so, so some people take it like to the umpteenth degree and they just follow it religiously because they have that sort of discipline. Yeah. They just figure it out and they're like, well, let me, let me give this an honest try. Okay. And so I shouldn't eat that. It, I don't. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Before you know it, you know, they... And over the, over the course of years, we all develop bad habits, right? Definitely. So I think we always need somebody to just step in and say, hey, you know, check that. Let's, let's check that. We can do things better. Yeah. And, and that's what's nice to have a coach. That's what's nice to have a coach because you can have somebody do a reminder. That's why, like, I think CrossFit is a, it's a, it's a good way if you're not fit and you don't know a lot about how to do it. It's a good way to get yourself back into it because you have people that know how to go from zero on. They have people that know how to get you there. Where I think people make a huge mistake all the time is, you know, they, they ramp up for that January 1st. They go to the gym. Oh they hurt goodness. themselves. And January 2nd, they're out. 
Oh it's my over. And I think that's another reason that we, we said we're like our, our coaches, they don't just start and stop a clock because anybody could do that, right? You could train a monkey to walk in and beep, you know, start the clock. And at the end of the workout, you know, three, two, one, you're done. Oh, awesome. Right. And then clap. But what our coaches do, you know, before the workout, during the warm up, uh, during the strength, and of course, during the CrossFit workout, they walk around and they like, if your form is not proper, you know, they're going to make corrections mm-hmm. on your form. And over the course of time, form gets better, right? Now we're activating the muscles we're supposed to be activating and we're getting stronger. Just well, and they can also tell you, hey, why don't you take that plate off? Oh, 100%. We, you know, we can move oh, we to do that a lot later. That. But yeah, we yeah. do a lot of that. Because the guy alone or a woman alone no, in the gym just the doing it. You were, right, you were right when you started. It's <laughs> yeah. usually the guys, right? Well, let me put this weight on, you know, because this is what I used to do 10 I did 410 in college. Yeah, right, right. When I was a high school or college <laughs> football player, I used to be able to do this. So, mm-hmm. you know, let me try this again. And we're like, oh, no, 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 no. Calm down. Right. You got. In, in the truth is you have plenty of time to go up in weights. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the first few times you do a movement, literally, let's just focus on form and technique. Let's mm-hmm. not worry about anything else. Yeah. I, uh, I want to talk about the nutrition, too, because I think that's another thing that you got into because of your passion for it. Oh, I love it. So, like, you've got your, you're a police officer, too, full-time police officer, yeah. right? Yeah. So, you're a police officer. You run a CrossFit gym. You do mm-hmm. nutrition coaching. And you right. do that for different police organizations. And how, who else do you do that for? How does that business work? Well, basically over the course of years, Mm -hmm. I've sort of established a reputation with uh, the nutrition stuff, right? So Mm -hmm. now police academies will call me up and I'll go in there. I'll give a four hour presentation, usually in the first week of a police academy. Mm -hmm. You know, we've had people in a six month police academy, five and a half months that have lost 60 pounds, you know, based on some of the information. It's simple information and I don't do it for weight loss, right? I'm straight health. But health will get rid of the weight. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, I sort of work the backside. Yeah. So let's look at how to be healthy first and the weight will come off. Mm-hmm. So I've done the state police stop team, uh, Boston SWAT, their, their entire special operations division, you know, the corporate presentations, but along the police side, uh, sheriff's department, uh, I've done veterans. So I've done the army, right? They have guys out there in the army and the national guard who mm-hmm. have problems with their PT, you know, and, uh, They'll call me out there because obviously if you're having problems with PT, nutrition is probably a big part of that right. because you're likely carrying a little bit of extra weight. Or you're fueling wrong and you just don't have the energy or a combination of the two is most likely, right? Right. So I've done uh, veterans affairs with, you know, some of these older veterans who are struggling, PTSD, TBI, things like that. I've done, you know, uh, Air Force Reserves out in Western Mass. And you're a vet, right? So you, yeah. you, you come into it knowing the audience pretty well too, where it's, it's, you're not blind to it. So let's go back. I'm an Air Force vet. Right. Which, by the way, for the other branches of service, just so you know, that is a branch of the service. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the best one, according to the Air Force guys, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've never, I was never in the service, but I have friends that were. And the, the you want to call them good-humored arguments back and forth about who, oh, great. Uh, who sucks and who's, yeah. who's good. Or always, and I mean, uh, it, at this point in my life, man, I'm 47. I'm closer to 50 than I am 40. So I was like, that's old hat. Like, I respect anybody who served their country. I'll stand mm-hmm. and salute you right now if the mic wasn't in front of my face. I, uh, I, I love listening to those guys, too. I, and I have, I have a client that sells uh, military goods and services, if you will. They sell like vehicles and things into the, into the military around the world. It's not just the United States, but they're, they're all from different branches, but they're all ex-military guys that work at the company. Right. And they, there's a, there's a, 
There's a, well, and there's, there's a certain, uh, they're all super disciplined. They're all really bright. It's always, it's amazing to talk to them. Cause you, you, if you were outside of it, you'd think, you think like the jarhead or the old impression people oh, yeah. would give. And you just, that's just not what gets delivered, man. These guys are they're bright. They're on point. They're super smart, but they're fun too. They have this, they have this edge. They have a certain, uh, little like the good side of the asshole persona that's, that's oh, yeah. with them too. Yeah, it's spending like, too much time together in a foxhole. That's what happens. <laughs> yep. And it, it always interests me, but so you were in the military and then from there, did you become a police officer? Yeah. So basically I, what I want to talk about is how you ended up owning a gym. Oh boy. But starting story. before that. Right. Right. It's a long story. Uh, it, just simple inner city public school kid, right? Went to North high in Worcester. And right after that, I knew I had to make a change. So straight in the military. You know, I signed up when I was 17, had to wait till 18, and I was gone. Yeah. And literally. No nerves, just wanted it? I, I needed it. Mm-hmm. I think, honest to goodness, I needed it. And I knew I did. And that was a little bit of discipline was, you know, walk down a re- to a recruiter. And luckily, I had a friend that went in with me. So it's easier, right? Hand-holding, yeah. go in, talk to the recruiter. And then I went. Did your friend sign up too? Yeah, he did. Okay. And he's a doctor now. <laughs> he's an optometrist. Nice. Uh, ophthalmologist. Which one does the eyeglasses? Don't know. Luckily, yeah. I don't have any. <laughs> he actually flunked out, but I'm, I'm convinced, and I don't know if he wants me to say this in a public forum, but I'm convinced that he intentionally failed on his M16 qualification so he could get thrown out. But I stayed in, ah. right? So that's when my life started. And I didn't talk to anyone for eight straight years, you know, except my parents, right? Meaning I, like you left home and just you Yeah, were I didn't talk to any of my old friends. Like I was, I was literally gone for eight straight years. I did five years in New Mexico, you know, and I did certain competitions when I was in New Mexico, um, made it to like, oh, it's kind of like a world, it's called Peacekeeper Challenge, we made it to like a worldwide level, you know, you compete at a command level. What kind of competition? Uh, you know, a lot of shooting, the, the various types of rifles, you know, M60 machine gun at the time, 203 grenade launcher, M16, and handgun. And then there's an obstacle course, so there's a fitness, a huge fitness component to it. Sounds fun. Oh, it was, it was a blast. Yeah, I still, still keep in touch with some of these guys. In That's fact, awesome. I was in Cabo with one of these guys last week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, from there, so that was my little bit of fitness while I was in the military. Did five years in New Mexico, the land of entrapment, and then went to Germany with my family. I established a family down there and went to Germany for three years. And then, uh, then, then it was time to get out, right? It was time to move on to bigger and better things. So I got out, came back to Worcester. I actually took the civil service test for police while I was in Germany. But you were in for eight years, so you re-enlisted after the first. So you you were enjoying your time in the service. Oh, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Eventually got out, had to wait 16 months, I think, before I got the actual Worcester police job. So I did some odds and M job, you know, working at DYS and then uh, went out to got a federal job at Westover Air Reserve Base, which caused me to get back into the reserves. Because it was either join the Latin Kings or join the reserves because I had to be part of a group. Yeah, you needed that, that brotherhood. I needed, you were exactly right. I needed that brotherhood. So I decided to go back in the reserves and I rode the reserves out, you know, for the rest of my, my career. And I ended up retiring after 21 and a half years. Wow. Retired in, yeah, 2012. Nice. December, December That's awesome. 2012. So, and then in there you become a police officer. Mm-hmm. So then you're, so you've always had like at least 15 jobs. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> Honestly, and I don't know how that happens, but yeah, I have a problem. I even read the book Essentialism because I got to learn how to say no. <laughs> so, yeah, most people that do a lot have to learn how to say no, or they just never do learn how to say no. Whether it's good or bad is debatable because it seems like things are going right. pretty good. And you so what you're saying, Adam, is I should have said no to this podcast when you gave the offer. Everybody should say no to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's obvious. But so then you become a police officer. Yeah. You've been on the force for how long now? Uh, working on my 19th year, 19th year. And you're still a police officer. Oh, I love it. So you you run how, and how much time do you spend here at the gym? 
Uh, not enough. Not enough. <laughs> I mean, so I, I came off a shoulder injury. Mm-hmm. My dog took me out. So I came off a shoulder injury and then I sort of recovered from that. I did all right. And then I got cleared by PT and then I took a trip to Nepal. I was over there for three weeks hiking the Himalayan mountains, which I think is like uh, another conversation yeah, so. that I want to have. That's, a, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Um, so the way CrossFit started, you know, I got back, I got on the police force and then it was a barroom conversation. You, know, you were already doing CrossFit, I assume? No. No. I had no idea what it was. And that's, that's where the story starts. It was a barroom conversation. I remember it was in Leitrim's. And I'm sitting there with this guy, and he's like, hey, you know, we're opening up a gym. There's another guy. Mm-hmm. He's like, we're opening up a gym. We want, uh, you know, we want you to become a member. The first, first 50 members or something get this incredible discount. And I'm like, you know, what is it? He's like, CrossFit. Like, what the fuck's CrossFit? <laughs> so he went on to explain what CrossFit was. And I'm like, well, let me give it a try. So this was April of 2009. By December 2009, I absolutely fallen in love with it because they didn't do a whole lot of running. And what running they did was like 400 meters, 800 meters, you know, intense stuff. It wasn't and it was pretty new, right? CrossFit oh, it was wasn't big new. yet. No, I think 2007 was the first CrossFit Games and no yeah. one really knew about it. It was like five affiliates in the world. Now mm-hmm. there's 20,000. So I gave it a try. And by December, I got my trainer certificate and I trained at the other gym for two and a half years. And still, you know, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And then sort of the light bulb goes off. I mean, like, Worcester's kind of a big city, mm. right? It's a small city, but it's a big city. And there's only one gym. Yeah. It's like, maybe there's room for two. So I got with my buddy, Dave Rojas. You know, Dave's one of those guys like, hey, let's do this. It sounds risky, but whatever, you know. Yeah, let's go for he's it. He's like, yeah, he's another cop. He's like, yeah, let's do that. But the most amazing thing was, right, the real business mind here is Scott Boulay. Mm-hmm. Right? He's owned multiple businesses in the past. So he's got a, he's got a real, you know, St. John's kids. He has a real business mind. Around that same time, maybe a week later, Scott Boulay hit me up on Facebook message. And we kept it super, super secret. You know, I worked in another mm-hmm. gym. Uh, Dave Rojas worked out there. Is that a thing that we can turn on and off? I don't mean to interrupt. I'm just um, curious. It does it? Yeah, I could probably turn the heat off. Do, can we? Yeah. Just because it's, it's going it's yeah, so, yeah. to so loud. Yeah. Perfect. And there we go. No, so everybody can hear us. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we're back. I have no idea where I was. I was telling an exciting story. You were. Sure you were, and I ruined it. So we'll go back to Scott Boulay comes in from Facebook out of nowhere. Right. Now, are you and Scott friends when this happens? Or yeah, yeah, just- yeah. Because he worked out at the other gym as well. Oh, okay. And about a week after me and Dave had this idea, he comes up to me and he hits me up on the Facebook message and says, hey, if you're ever thinking about opening a gym, I'm in. I was like, what? Out of nowhere. Yeah, I, I thought maybe he heard some skip from somebody, but no, he had no idea. So apparently he had the same idea I did, you know, and Dave's on board. Mm-hmm. So we got together and we, we sort of mixed in. We talked about a few other partners and we're like, you know, let's just go with three of us. And that was about April 2012. The same time I realized that having three jobs, the police, the military, mm-hmm. you know, still in reserves at yep. the time, operation superintendent. So... I was still putting out fires during the month and things like this. Mm-hmm. And then the gym. And I was like, something's got to go. So I was like, you know, it's time to let the military go. The first one you started was the first one to retire. Yeah. I Makes guess, sense, right? I guess it it's was. Cascading natural, careers. Yeah. Natural progression. So then you guys get together. What did you, did you talk about? Maybe we, you know, become part of another gym or invest or was it always start a different gym, start our own? Yeah. Start clean. Right. You don't want to take over someone's ideas. We had our own ideas on what we should do and how we should do it. And yeah, that's what I was wondering. So what were you, when you guys were talking, what was it you wanted to do differently? Was it some of the stuff that I mentioned early on just that I saw that well, it was different? Well, right. Because we loved it. 
we, we're, we're always going to be in it to change lives. We're not going to do it for the money. Um, although it, it's obviously important, right? It matters. Sure, yeah, it's part the, of a business. Keep the heat going. We're not going to dig into our pockets to, you know. Keep, keep the, the heat going on. unless some podcast guy asks you to turn it off. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, luckily I got my jacket sitting beside me. <laughs> so, and then, you know, we didn't want to be absentee owners. You know, we had seen where it, it doesn't always work out well. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to always be part of the business. You know, up in people's faces, they walk through the door. You know, if anyone can shake the person who walks through the door's hand, you know, it, it kind of should be the owner if that's sure. possible. Yeah, it's nice too. Makes right. people feel more of a community, more of a, a thing that someone's vested in. And then another thing, we are not too good for our own programming. You know, eventually over time, Scott started doing the program and he's, he's an actuary. So he has this math mind that works really, really well for programming. I, I guarantee it, I'll put it up against anyone in the state, his programming. And keep in mind, he programs for this gym, you know, where other people, other gyms hire programmers from other places that mm. don't know their demographic. So, you know, as time goes and our membership builds up and our athletes get better, you know, you program for that. Yeah, but it, your program also takes into account your whole uh, everyman mantra where people can come in here that aren't extreme athletes oh, yeah. and they can get, Absolutely. they can adapt to the program too. Yeah. A so there's, there's a lot that goes into what's on the whiteboard as opposed to just throwing up the regular workout of the day or something from where. Oh, no, 100% right. Yeah. And then our trainers have to have the knowledge. Like, I can't do this. I got a tweaked back or my knee hurts or things like this. Like, what is the scale? Because we want to keep the same stimulus, mm-hmm. right? If we're doing box jumps and like, you know, they, they got a tweaked knee, we don't want to give them pull-ups. So it's not the same stimulus. Right. So, okay. Like, how do you feel with step-ups? You know, we'll go with a lower box and you can do some step-ups, maybe even hold a couple of kettlebells. So you're getting essentially the same stimulus, which is always going to be important, right? Mm-hmm. So, and no matter what, you know, it's back to that box jump thing, it, it, to scale it back, uh, you can't jump on one of these big 20-inch boxes or 24-inch boxes that we have. That's not a big deal. All we have to do, if, if all you can do is step up onto a four-inch plate, that's fine. That's where we'll start. And we'll go from there. Right. And you won't believe what you're doing in a month or two months. That, that's the thing. It's, it's, it's feeling safe to not be able to do something to get there. Because you can't do everything day one. No. And that's, no. that's a big difference. A hundred percent. And not only like we want to do things the right way. Mm-hmm. So, and that's where the form and technique comes in. But just, just as an aside, like some of the people like George Sierra, you know, 90% uh, paraplegic, right? So 90% of his leg function was gone. He got shot, uh, back in Connecticut when he was a young kid. And we were able to, you know, and it, it sort of brought tears to my eyes and tears to his eyes. And I set him up and he was able to do a box jump on a 10 inch box. Wow. You know, so like, can we cater to anyone? Absolutely. And we, then we got this young lady, absolutely beautiful, but she, she lost one of our arms in a boating accident. Hmm. So we were able to, we were able to get her doing a clean, you know, janking it up with one hand and then shifting her weight. And she was able to figure out the balance. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, it was, it was, a, it was amazing. And that's so, got to feel good. Right. So when we get capable people in here, you know, who have no limitations per se, like, man, we got this. Yeah. We can do so much with you. Yeah. You're just, taking, you. you're just taking the e-brake off when, when, it's a, when it's a person who just hasn't been fit or just been eating oh, wrong. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not as bad of a journey as they think it's going to be. You know, no, I think that's the thing is because momentum goes a long way you oh, know, sure in, in fitness and in anything. You know, you get some discipline and you just keep doing it and you, you take right off. And yeah, there's, only, there's only one thing we can't control having them walk through that door. Mm-hmm. So if they walk through that door and then they're consistent with walking through the door, we take care of the rest. You know, that's what we specialize in and we love it. That's what's awesome about it too, is you don't have to become a fitness expert. You don't have to learn how to do the programming. You just have to let it happen. You just have to come in and trust the coaching and, and enjoy it. But I think that's what you guys do right is there's coaching you can trust. 
And yeah, I'm not, yeah, I mean, 100%. not, I don't know about specifically CrossFit, but in, in gyms, in martial arts, with the personal training world, there's always uh, the good and the bad. So you don't always know what you can trust. And if you right. don't know enough, it's hard to sniff out, you know, what you can and what you can't sometimes. Oh, it's always going to be different. Right. And that's why we, we, we have a proven business model. Right. We've won best in Worcester three years in a row. Mm -hmm. And it's funny, just as an aside on this story, like the first year they had it, I'm pretty sure it was 2017. We didn't even know it was a thing. Right. So the T&G, Telegram Gazette, they had established. No, no, no. uh, Worcester, uh, Worcester Magazine. Mm. It was Worcester Magazine. Right. The best, their best in Worcester. They had established this new category for CrossFit. And we didn't even know it was a thing. So we didn't do any advertising for it. We didn't tell our members to vote. We didn't tell anyone else. We didn't put it on social media. And holy shit, we won. Nice. But we didn't even know about it. So I thought that was amazing. And, and It's know, a testament too. The next to, couple to of years, 2018, you know, like, wow, this is kind of cool. We won again. And then 2019, wow, we won again. And hopefully we, we can be as successful in, in 2020. And it's not just Worcester, right? Because there's only two gyms in Worcester. And I, for the record, I think they're all great. Like mm-hmm. they all have something to offer, right? But, you know, there's other gyms right outside of the Worcester that were also nominated to be part of this. And, you know, uh, we win. So mm-hmm. we're super humbled because it's, it's not us. Right. It's our membership. If we hit the three of us voted, we'd, we'd get three votes. Right. And it goes back, though. It goes back to creating a community instead of just creating a business. It, it's and I don't mean that it's anything wrong with the business, but you guys and the way that you treat the gym, you have people coming here and looking forward to coming here. And it becomes a part of their life and they form friendships and it becomes like a, oh, a, pl- a safe place to grow where not every gym. Does. I don't mean I'm not saying at CrossFit. So I'm not shitting on anybody. Just not every gym is a place that you feel safe and can grow. Some people just go to the gym and, and punch a clock. Some people and never right. find a community. Some people go to the gym and the community sucks and oh. it's toxic and they they get chased right away by uh, you know the hulking people or the staring people or, or whatever you know insert here the, right, the right, right. annoying gym person. That's another thing we've been super cautious of is being aware of clicks. You know, we never wanted to click to form because it's like a cancer. If you don't, if you don't get rid of it quick, unfortunately, uh, you know, it starts to grow and it infects. It's it's infectious, right? So it starts hurting your membership, and mm-hmm. then you got this side and that side. And we've never wanted that factions and, at the gym. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we've like we couldn't be happier right now with our membership and our training staff. Like they're all so amazing. They're all on board with sort of our vision and our philosophy on how to do things. And like this is probably one of the better places we've ever been in as a gym. And you've got two partners and been growing the gym and you, you know, you've moved buildings and grown space. And so not every partnership goes well, but it seems like you guys got on board together and it's grown nicely. And and I don't know how that happened, but I do hear this all the time. Like, Oh, I couldn't stand my business partner. I had to sell, you know, whether it's CrossFit gyms, other gyms or other businesses, any business. Yeah. Like we've, we've just gotten along. We have the same vision, you know, marching, we get our marching orders and like, okay, let's make this happen. And so it's where we hang out together. We, we throw a few back together. So it's, it's, yeah. still, it's still fun. So let's, going back to you guys hanging out at Leitrim's and figuring out how to have a gym. How long does it take for you to say, like, could we really do this to opening doors? Like, what's the, what goes into well, getting that done? Obviously, you got to figure out funding, right? So um, it wasn't a tremendous amount based on what we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, not to talk about numbers. I think we opened the doors the first time with 80000 and, you know, from there, buying equipment. And I'm a cheap bastard, mm-hmm. so I would figure out ways to make things cheaper. Like all these, all these racks, some of these old racks that are set up against the wall here, they're actually built, mm-hmm. you know, by John, with John Dage and his family. His dad owned Worcester County Welding at the time. And he was gracious enough 
So basically it was just the steel. So there's a lot of cost-saving measures that went into a lot of this stuff. And a lot of, a lot of our own personal labor. Yeah, I remember. I remember you talking about that and building the, the racks and all the different things. And were you guys building boxes too instead of buying them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I mean, the rogue boxes at the time were like $115. And I found like a, like a Finnish carpenter who built these amazing things. Those are the same boxes from back in the day. See? He built those things for like a hundred bucks each. Mm-hmm. You know, the small ones were a hundred bucks. The big ones are a hundred bucks. He's, uh, he says it takes the same amount of work to put these things together and I got to buy wood. So we're just going to go to a hundred bucks for all of them. And I'm like, well, all right, let's I'm do in. it. Yeah, I wish cool. he still did it. I think he got a divorce and sold his equipment, whatever. But this guy was absolutely amazing because those boxes are still standing. <laughs> that, that's a testament, man. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so wonderful. Then you guys get along still to this day oh, yeah. and everything's going well. Do you... What do you guys do to keep the partnership healthy? Like you, you've mentioned, you you actively try to keep clicks out. Like, and I've never had a uh, well, I've never had a partner per se, and I've never had partners that worked out long term and in, in other endeavors that I've tried. So, like, what do you guys think, or what do you think is one of the reasons why that's that's working? Is it we never became we the never vision? became well, it's the vision, right? But we never became stagnant. We've never just sat and say, "Hey, we're good enough." I think once you sit down and you say, "Hey, we're good enough." I think that's sort of where some of that tumultuous behavior starts coming in, right? Because you get bored. Mm -hmm. I think if you're constantly looking forward to a shared goal, and and the goal is going to be the same, right? We want more members. We want quality members. We want to make sure we keep the clicks out of the gym, keep our our community healthy and happy. Mm -hmm. I think if you're constantly looking at that same goal, like you're looking forward. You're not looking towards each other to find a problem. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we've sort of just marched forward. It, It almost seems effortless, so I can't that's, really speak about awesome. why other businesses or partnerships went south mm-hmm. because it's just, it's always been pretty cool. And not to say we don't have our, you know, little fights you sure. know, when we have our meetings and things, little, little arguments like, uh, but, but I think that's normal. It's healthy. You know, I guess, well, yeah. I guess most spousal relationships would go the same way, right? You just don't go to sleep mad. You know, that's what it, that's adorable. Thing. So, right, 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 right. Don't go to sleep mad and, right. and wake up and, and everything's forgotten. About. Happily ever after. Yeah. I, I think if you look at it that way, it's, it's going to work out for you. So then I got you off on another tangent back to the bar and you're trying to figure yeah. out funding. How does everything come together for opening up the doors the first time? I love tangents, but keep me on track. Thank you. <laughs> well, I'll try to bring you back. I'm a tangent person myself, so we can get lost. We, well, obviously the first thing was to find a location. You know, we wanted to give the other gym their space on the other side of the city. And so we were looking on this side of the city, which just happened to be more convenient because I live on this side of the city. Uh, so that was good for me. But, mm-hmm. you know, and then went, Scott Boulay went to school with Nick Chacharoni of Chacharoni Properties. So he was willing, even as a new startup business, to allow us to rent out Grove Street, which was fantastic. So mm. we rented out Grove Street, which is about 3,000 square feet, which was a great place to start. It was a great building. And we sort of evolved there for, for a few years until we started outgrowing it, which I guess is the best problem to have. Yeah, you know, right. We started outgrowing that. And then logistically, it started getting really difficult to keep things safe in, in the property that we had. And then at, at some point, we started saying, hey, we got to start looking around for another building. You know, we've outgrown this one. And we look around. And again, Nick Cetroni steps in and says, hey, I just bought this warehouse on Pullman Street. And this back area of the warehouse is about 8,500 square feet. And I think it's perfect for you. So, of course, we're like, well, we're, we had already outgrown the place. So, but like, it's more than double the last, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The last place was 3,000 square feet. And this place is about 85. 
So did it, was exactly did it, did it give you those needed. same nerves of like, you know, it's, you, yeah, we want the space, but it's something bigger. It's, it's, I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. I don't, I don't, I don't think it did. Right. Of course, the business side of it, like we know we have to grow our membership to, to a full, obviously bigger space, rent increase. We have more equipment, obviously the cost of that. So all, all costs will go up and mm-hmm. we obviously need membership to be able to support that. But I don't think, it, I don't think it was a source of anxiety necessarily. I think we we're really excited to get it, get it started. You know, it's just, you move into a new house. It's like, it's super exciting. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Pain and yes, but super exciting. Yeah. Right. And then you want to get all your friends in to see your house. Yep. So that's kind of what it Have was. A party. Like we're so proud when we opened this place to get all of our membership in here and say, Hey, look what we got, man. This is all for you. How cool is that? And then, you know, from there and now, now it's just sort of back to the basics and focusing on what's important to grow the business. Mm-hmm. How, one thing that I, I still don't understand. So I don't want to, I want to unpack it more. The, you're still a police officer. Yes. You've got this business and the nutrition. Mm-hmm. How does, how does it all fit together? Not like the secret answer of how you make it all fit together, but like how does owning this and how does being a police officer, is there anything about that life that enables being able to do this and having the, um, the time to run another business? You know, most people, maybe it'll help if I frame it with what I'm thinking. Most people have a, like a nine to five, but mm-hmm. that nine to five is really seven to seven or seven to eight. And they, they don't have, there's nothing. Their, their life is bookended. They don't have extra time where you've got three jobs going on and, oh. you're, and, you're, and you don't look stressed. You're not, off, you're not ready to run to the next thing. You know, you know it's not, you don't, you're not frazzled like no. that, that. So what, what helps you do that or how do you, well, how do you get that done? I'm going to question for you. What is time, right? We all set up priorities in our life. What's important to you? Mm-hmm. You know, is eating important to you? Right? I don't have time to meal prep or I don't have time to eat healthy, right? We hear that all the time. Is it important to you? So we have to set up priorities based on this hierarchy of needs. What is important to you? So when you do that, you know, and I'm not saying my kids are neglected or my relationship is neglected. I think, I think those are great too. Mm-hmm. But at some point you just establish priorities. What's important. And when you do that, I don't know, it's one of the reasons I had to get out of the military because I felt my time was too divided. Mm-hmm. And when it's, when your time is too divided, nothing really gets full attention. Right now the nutrition business, that's pretty easy because I don't, I don't promote it. You know, occasionally I take clients one-on-one. Uh, I just picked up a new client with uh, Parkinson's disease, which scares the shit out of me, yeah. by the way. But I don't treat Parkinson's disease. I treat the body to right. make the body as healthy as it can be, you know, to be able to better manage a disease like that. Um, what, what goes into that with Parkinson's? What's uh... Obviously, a, a good diet's first and foremost. Yeah. Right. Yeah, well, that's what I mean, I mean, diet wise. So what would you, what are you looking at specifically with, the, I mean, we don't have to talk about it if you no, want no, to, I'm no. just curious. This is, this is where something as simple as keto, you know, ketogenic diet has mm-hmm. been used as a therapeutic approach since the 1800 for epileptics, mm-hmm. right? So the brain works better on fat. So, and, and I don't think like, I'm not promoting ketogenic diet. I think it's really difficult to follow for the average person who might be healthy. Mm-hmm. Right. But as a therapeutic approach, I think it's amazing. So that along with, you know, uh, so it's very anti-inflammatory, which is the part, you know, the biggest part of it. It's very anti-inflammatory, mm-hmm. um, low in oxidative stress. Um, and then, of course, you're removing all the inflammatory foods, you know, gluten, dairy, other grains, yep. uh, a lot of sugar, obviously. Like, so these are all inflammatory foods. You remove those, the body starts healing itself or, you know, the disease will progress at a much slow, slower rate. Yeah. And then, you know, supplements. What are anti-inflammatory supplements? So you look at high-quality uh, resveratrol supplements, curcumin, which is obviously the active ingredient in turmeric and, you know, high quality omega-3 fish oil with plenty of DHA 
and then just supporting the basics. Backing off a lot of the stuff, though, because keto's, you know, it's pretty clean eating. So you, mm-hmm. you have to back off a lot of the other stuff that people generally eat with a normal diet. And I don't know. That's why I'm asking. I'm not, I'm not a, a nutrition expert or You're not anything wrong. about Parkinson's. But so that, that alone, Parkinson's, I don't, we don't know everything about it, right, as a disease. But, right. but they think they've, they've linked part of it to your gut health and mm-hmm. your overall immune health and, and, and general inflammation. Right. Like, uh, like the, what? I forget what they call it. But anyway, there's just general body inflammation is, you know, most people are walking around inflamed because they're eating foods that are upsetting their body. And they have been for as many years as they've been on the planet. And they don't even know it. Right. They just feel like shit. And it's sort of an they don't know acceptable what good feels part like. of aging. Yeah. They don't know what good feels like. And they think right. that's what age feels like. I'm, I'm 44 and I feel... I feel way better than I did at 34. Like I have more energy. Amazing. <laughs> well, I'm the best athlete in the world. Let's be established. <laughs> Rich Froning can't do it. No, no, he's slow. But um, I feel better. And it's because when I was 34, I was eating the standard American diet or the right. shit American diet. And we just, talked about that. I think everybody goes through that. You know, we have ruts and I've been through it myself, right? But then when you pull yourself out of that rut, you're like, wow, I actually felt like shit before. You know, last year I felt like shit. I didn't, I didn't have even to. realize it. I didn't have to, right? No, you didn't have to. So, so going back to the, your the Parkinson's uh, client, by removing all of the stuff and going keto, you're also cleaning up their gut health because you're yeah. not putting all of that stuff that pisses off the gut and all the exactly inflam- right. inflammation stuff. Yeah, so that- sugar, high glycemic foods, grains, gluten, all this stuff. We, we, we can either feed the good bacteria in our gut or we feed the bad bacteria in the gut, right? So it's called dysbiosis, essentially. So about 85% of our gut bacteria should be good, healthy bacteria and about 15% bad bacteria. When we start skewing that ratio, even 80, 20, uh, you know, the bad bacteria, because of the foods we eat, starts to grow. It starts to fester. And then that is really what's got, that's, that's technically called dysbiosis. Mm-hmm. But that's going to affect every aspect of health. Your whole body, right? Every, oh, yeah, every, every, it, every piece. They call it the second brain. You know, your gut communicates with your brain. Your brain communicates with your gut. And this is all new stuff since we started, you know, doing the gut microbiome project. So now we're starting to figure out what all these different ba- bacteria are for. Yep. You know, and we're learning, we're learning about unconscious ways that your gut is helping your brain make decisions that you're not aware of. Oh, 100%. But it's, it's, it's some of the autopilot stuff that we need that well, we've evolved 90% to have. 90% of your serotonin, which makes you feel good, is created in the gut. So if you're okay. feeling like shit all the time, you're a little bit, uh, you know, anxiety, things like that. Gut health. It is almost nothing you can't point towards gut health. So yeah, cleaning the diet up, obviously a healthy probiotic. And I always look towards, and this isn't sort of a nutrition podcast or a nutrition presentation, but it's whatever we want it to be. First of all, you remember I'm the world's number one athlete. People want to hear this. (laughs) I should should be getting advice from you. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) So you you clean up the diet. It has to be the number one thing because even if we take in probiotics, you know, who gives a shit if you keep feeding the bad bacteria in your gut? If you don't feed the probiotics, they die, right? I mean, or what are the probiotics feeding the gut bacteria? And if you don't keep that healthy, it's like a garden, right? And it, and it dies. You just, you just took my analogy on metaphor, Sorry. right? So you're 100% right. So probiotics are nothing more than seeding the garden. So you're adding all these seeds to the garden. What do you do then, right? So good, healthy foods and resistant starch and things like that. Now you got to feed the garden. So that's what prebiotics are. So there's different supplements you could buy, like inulin fibers or resistant starch, uh, plantains. I, I added green plantains, mango. You know, it's a Dominican meal. That's a staple in my diet now. I just added a whole bunch of grass-fed meat to it. Mm. So, you know, it's your typical mango where you got the green plantains that you boil and your onions that you soak in vinegar. Um, that's the basics. That's the premise. And then I just added three pounds of ground beef to it. 
And so now I have a perfect meal, but I'm also getting them green plantains, which are nice resistant starch that yep. can feed my, my seeds, mm-hmm. you know, my, my good probiotics in my gut. Mm-hmm. I have a question. Uh, I, I've read and I don't fully understand it, but some of the starches that we don't want to eat that much, like a, like a rice or a white potato stuff. Um, if those, is it true that if you make those and then you cool them? Yes. Okay. So that, then they can become a healthy starch not, to not feed so your gut? Not so much rice, but supposedly this college student in the Philippines figured out how to cook rice and add a certain amount of coconut oil to it and then cool the rice. And then, I don't know, 40 or 50% of the rice turns into resistant starch. But the, that is definitely true. And I don't know what the percentage is for white potatoes, but if you cook a white potato, you put it in the refrigerator, let it cool. A lot of that starch will turn to resi- resistant starch. And you'll notice a different texture to it too. But resistant starch is resistant to digestion. That's why they call it resistant starch. So it goes straight through the digestive tract without being digested. goes into the large colon and creates but- butyric acid or butrates, which is actually an omega-3 fatty acid. But that helps feed your healthy gut bacteria. That's what it likes to eat, right? Yeah. So, and once you, right. I, I, I was shocked when I first learned that. So just by cooling the potatoes, and you can actually do it multiple times to increase that resistance, right? If you like heat it, cool it, heat Honestly, it, cool it. Honestly, I'm not, I'm not super familiar with that. But well, that's what I heard. I'm so it, it might not be right. But um, that, that blew my mind. So then you can eat that and basically it'll just pass right through into the gut and feed them. So it's kind of like, I view it like feeding pets, you know, yeah, like you just yeah, got to, yeah. got to keep them happy. Cause I try to pay a lot of attention to gut health since learning about it, but I don't know a tremendous amount about it either. So I just try to keep learning and doing better. Like, how do you, do you drink kombucha? What do you feel about that? I, I actually am making my own at home right now. Nice. So I, I just got back into it. Right. I, I used to make two gallons of kombucha every couple of weeks. And now I'm like, man, I haven't done that in a while. So yeah, I'm making my own kombucha, which is really easy. All you have to do is get a regular can of original kombucha from the grocery store, mm-hmm. put it in a mason jar, put a paper towel over the top with a rubber band, and just let it sit there for a week. Yeah, You'll form your own kombucha scoby on top, your kombucha mushroom or mm-hmm. scoby or whatever you want to call it, right? So then you use that, you just make some tea, put a bunch of sugar in there, because that's what the bacteria is going to yep. feed off of, mm-hmm. and it, it, there you go. No kidding. So that's seven days. So it's like easier than making beer or wine or something. Yeah. Then you can do another ferment, right? Your second, that's where you add the flavor. So I'll add some blueberries to it, probably some ginger because those are maybe some raspberries. And I do a second ferment for three days and then ba-boom. No I kidding. Got, yeah. I didn't know it was that easy. All for the price of tea and And here I am, sugar. the sucker buying it at the store. Yeah. So sugar is good for something, right? And I'm also, I started making a sauerkraut again. Yeah. It's just a head of cabbage, but you can't get healthier than sauerkraut. When we talk about probiotics, we talk in the CFUs, we're talking about, you know, 10 billion to 50 billion to a hundred billion of some of the high powerful probiotics. You're talking trillions when you're talking about just your simple sauerkraut. And of course, making it on your own is going to be a lot better than the store-bought stuff. Yeah. And then I make my own uh, Greek yogurt on a regular basis. Yeah. I don't and, make and, my own, and, but I, my, my wife makes it. So In part Simple. because I'm cheap, right? I can buy two, uh, two half gallons, a gallon of grass-fed milk, and I can make a gallon of Greek yogurt. Not just cheap, though. Cheap's fun to say, but it's also, at least I feel, when you make food. something, you know what's in it. You know exactly yeah. what it is. You know where it came from. It's like, you know, kind of like it's fun to build these boxes as, as opposed to order them online. You yeah, know, yeah, you, yeah. You know what it is. You know where it came from. You can... I made that, you know, well, not that you made it, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. You made that. Rack it was a cool there. sound effect, by the way. It was. I, I planned that. <laughs> uh, so with the, with the gut health, I, cause I, I'm, I'm always just wondering about it if I'm doing it right. I kind of view it as pets. Like I said, like mm-hmm. you have to keep them fed and keep sure. them happy. But for, for most people, let's say they haven't had their gut health in, in question. They haven't thought about it yet. 
a lot of people, it gets wiped out when you take antibiotics if you get sick, right? So uh, then yep. you're just starting 100%. over again. So if you if you're coming off, um, if you're coming off the regular diet, if you're just someone who's trying Standard to clean things American up and diet. feel better, yeah, sad diet. Yep. How do how do you how do you like what's a what's a way to start cleaning up your gut health to 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 feel the effects and feel better? What are the things people need to stop and start? I'd be remiss if I didn't say the first thing you have to do is clean up your gut because that's essentially what's going to feed either the good bacteria or the bad bacteria, right? So after we clean up our diet and we can do this simultaneously, I always look at it as a full spectrum repopulation. Like, so we get some really high potency probiotics in garden of life, right on Amazon sells a really good brand. It's, you can get it from 80, uh, 60, 80 or a hundred billion CFUs and look for something with at least 14 beneficial strands of probiotic bacteria. And take that for about two months. But that's seeding the garden, right? And we need to consider feeding it. Mm-hmm. And so when we're talking kombucha, kefir, sauerkraut, Greek yogurt, those things, those are maintenance. Like those are things we should have every day after we establish a healthy gut biome. Those are feeding the healthy gut to keep your... No, to those keep- are actually more probiotics. Okay. We're just keeping up on it. Like we're throwing more seeds in the garden just okay. to make sure we got the good microbiome, right? But then it's the prebiotics. And prebiotics, I think, are something that's deficient in most people's diet, even if they pay attention to a healthy gut. And this is why I added green plantains, which are a fantastic, and that's my day-to-day. And I also take, I put a scoop of inulin fiber, which I just, again, get it off Amazon. I put a scoop of that in my Greek yogurt in the morning, along with some collagen peptides and things like that, and some berries, right? Maybe even a scoop of protein. Um, and I mix it up. So I make sure I'm getting ample amounts of, prebiotic to mm-hmm. feed that healthy gut bi- biome. And I think that's one of the most important things. Is there, um, is there any way to tell if you're got an unhealthy gut? I mean, aside for, I, mean, I, I don't mean like, believe it or I, not, I don't poop. mean how you can tell. Cause you know what it's like to be on the healthy well, side. I don't want to tell. I just take people's words for it because your poop is literally in, in, in how you feel day to day. will have a lot to do with, you know, gastrointestinal upset, things like that. Um, how are you pooping here? Constipated, yeah. diarrhea, things like that. I mean, that's a sure sign that is something. Irritable bowel. People, yeah. people that think, th- that's what I mean though. The, I don't mean you because you're really in tune with health and, and anybody that's fairly in tune with health knows about everything right. from in to out. But most people IBD. think, yeah, most people think the way they feel is just the way you yeah. feel as a human. So is there a way that if someone's not into it yet, like are there any signs or triggers that you might want to fix your gut? Maybe there aren't. I don't even know. I'm yeah. just curious. Yeah. Like, is there s- it's simple. If you have to ask the question, you need to do it. Yeah, probably. If right, you're huh? eating a standard American diet, if you've been on uh, antibiotics any time in your life. Uh, and never if repopulated. You, if you regularly drink tap water, right? What do they put in tap water? So fluoride, antimicrobial, mm-hmm. antibacterial, chlorine, antimicrobial, antibacterial. So if you're drinking this on a regular basis, you're literally destroying your gut health. No kidding. And I drink tap water. So you don't drink tap water? I, I do my best not to. I'm not afraid of it. Like a one-time thing isn't going to be like a course of antibiotics that mm-hmm. completely destroys it. But if you're drinking it on a regular basis, you gotta you got to figure it's going to be killing some of that gut bacteria. What do you drink for water then? Uh, filtered water out of my refrigerator. So you can filter the, oh, you the sure? water from the tap and right. then it, okay. So it makes it, is there any specific filter? Uh, well, like anything you have to look for? No, no, nothing Just special. Your typical charcoal filter, right? I got no say. kidding. I didn't know that would pull like chlorine out or anything. I don't. This is a commercial for LG refrigerators. <laughs> I didn't know you could that it would pull the chlorine or anything like that out of water. That's yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I and I haven't looked into any of the studies. It doesn't smell or taste like chlorine. 
So I'm going with that. Sure. In all my experts, you know, all the reading I do is like, yeah, just make sure you're drinking filtered water. No kidding. And like when you look at things like Dasani water or anything like that, if you think the standards are any better, like the FDA looks at the standard for Dasani water and basically has to meet the same metrics as your tap water. Right. That's what I was getting at is where, yeah. what water do you drink? Because I know that bottled water might just be tap it, water it, bottles it, and sold to you. It, yeah. That's it's and perfectly I'm, legal to do that. I'm, we could start Adam and Paul water and just fill it in the bathroom and sell I think, it. I think that's the fringe things though. And I wouldn't be overly concerned with things like that. Cleaning up the diet, I think would be, would be number one, first and foremost. Right. So, I mean, you got these people walking around and you can't fix it all, right? You'd walk around just this ball of stress and anxiety, like worrying about every aspect of health. Oh my God. You know, you start wearing masks and mm-hmm. you know, HEPA filters in your house. You, you can get crazy about it. Yeah. And, and, and that, Again, I don't, I don't think that's realistic for most people. Just, just be aware of it. Mm-hmm. Just be aware of your water and just uh, tap water shouldn't be your regular source of water. And you can literally stop there. The most important thing is to clean up your diet. I'm buying a filter on the way home. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to, it's my fault that we're off on the tangent. So back. I enjoy it. I, so do I. I. I could talk about it forever because I have a lot to learn uh, about the nutrition stuff. But we'll probably end up there again. But sure. back to, what was I just going to ask? Uh, oh yeah, back to the gym and the multiple businesses or multiple jobs between police officer and uh, how do I fit it all in? Not just how you fit it in, but then how. Uh, so you fit it in by being disciplined and, and having priorities. Yeah. Well, and then, the police department's a day to day because I'm in training division, health and wellness officer. It's it's pretty much a nine to five, right? Well, eight to eight to four, right? Mm-hmm. So the priority, as far as focus, has to be the gym because that's the thing. It, again, we'll use a plant reference, right? If, you, if, you, if you're not caring for it on a regular basis, it's going to die. Mm-hmm. So that has to be a priority when you think about establishing. The, the nutrition business, I'm not worried about growing it, right? I take my clients here and there. I give presentations, you know, at these different places. It, it just happens. Now, it, I don't reach out and ask people if they want to do a presentation. It just comes to me. And it's and a yeah. passion thing. It's, of course. Yeah. I love it. I love getting a group. You know, the bigger the, the, bigger the crowd, the better. Sure. Just throwing out some of this knowledge because someone's going to catch some of this stuff that I'm throwing out there. And I gonna, did. I told you before we started recording, you know, it made an impact on me. It's changed the way I eat for, I, I don't know when we met, how many years ago, is, but it's made, know, a, it's made a difference. We haven't talked in a few years. Yeah. Just to know that, it, it warms my heart. And literally stories like this are what drives my passion. You know, people just, and, and, and people will hear my presentation and they'll go home and they'll tell their parents about it. And then their parents will make a change. And now their parents are healthier, you know? So all of this stuff, like people tell me this and it, that's what feeds my passion, but that doesn't take up a whole lot of time. Yeah. Cause it's just my presentation's done. Granted with this new corporate one, I got to do out in Boston. Like I'm having to read four different books at the same time because they want to focus on the brain. So I'm rereading Dr. Perlmutter, Grain Brain, and uh, you know, he's a neurologist and, and some sleep stuff with Walker. And so I'm going to all these, because I'm changing my presentation, but for the most part, it doesn't take a lot of time. Mm-hmm. That's another tangent, but I want to talk about it. That's got to feel really good too, where um, just a personal example, you know, I think... I think meeting you and getting into it was, and the reason I was even at a CrossFit and the reason we met is I wanted to make a change from, sure. I, I, was, I used to be an athlete, right? And then I became sedentary and I was a new dad, I think when I met you. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, um, a lot of people are going to be familiar with the, you know, the sympathy weight that you gain along with your pregnant oh, yeah. wife and just, you oh, know, yeah. I just didn't like where I was at. So I make this change, but then I was lucky enough to come here and it, the nutrition component and it started to make sense how you could make healthy choices instead of it being confusing. So just, just fuck it. I'm not going to do it because it's right. too confusing. So I started to make the changes and I explained it to my wife and the, being that they were simple, she was like, no problem. Easy. Like I, I get yeah, it. How about we, that? we can do that yeah. too. So then now here we are 
I don't, I don't know how many years later. I really don't know. Maybe six, six or seven or something. I think it's six, yeah, it's yeah, about six years. So it, but here we are. But now, like, it's permeated through my life, and my kids are now ten and eight, and they both understand healthy eating and why we eat healthy, not just that they have to. You know, they're not pissed how off cool that their that? friends, their yeah. friends, all have lunch boxes full of shit, you know, Oreos and Ho-Hos and and garbage. And my kids don't want it. Mm -hmm. They want it once in a while. And when they can have it, they're excited. And I mean, they're kids. It's a treat. Yeah. Right. It should be a treat. But they don't want what happens if you eat that all the time. And they understand why. And they understand the process, which I think is cool. And then you look at my dad, who's uh, in his seventies and he's now, he's been intermittent fasting for like a year. He's feeling the best he's felt in a long time. You know, his health is better than it was 10 years ago. And he's always been a healthy guy. It's just, sure. he's in a better place. He's feeling good. And he's feeling energetic and he's feeling absolutely amazing. It, it's, and that is, that's cascaded partly from just conversations with you. And that's got to feel awesome. Like that's the part of, that's, that's stuff that I think the, the waves like that, that oh, yeah. come out from what you do has got to be pretty amazing. And initially when I started this stuff, I had no idea. And then I started finding out like, Hey, I, you know, I've been doing this for a while and, and it changed somebody's lives. It changed their parents' lives to talk to their friends. You know, they're doing better by their kids. And I'm like, holy fuck, it makes a difference. <laughs> yeah, no shit. You know, and it just they listened. Right. And, and it, because it's a passion of mine, you know, I read all these different disciplines because, you know, even when you go to the doctor, I mean, doctors average about 19.6 hours of nutrition in eight years of medical school. Yeah. My doctor. Right? So they don't know. My doctor doesn't know. When I ask questions, she has no clue. No, it's not that doctors are bad people. It's the system set up to educate them, right? Because it's not, it's not, it's not healthy. Yet. No. And healthcare is the worst thing you could ever call it. It's sick care. Right. They because treat a problem that already exists. They right. don't, they, they don't cover help up you the, get away from They cover from up it. the symptoms of the problem that exists, which is even worse, mm-hmm. right? So you go to the doctors, you know, you're a young, strapping, healthy young man. You go to the doctors, like they take some blood work. They do some things. Maybe they ask you to cough, right? And, and they send you out. They're like, oh, you're perfectly healthy. You can go home. Come back in a year. You come back in a year. Oh, you're perfectly healthy. Go home. Sugar's a little high, but you're fine. Just keep doing what you're doing. Exactly, right? You're fine. Uh, I got this all kinds of gastrointestinal upset. I don't know what's going on. Oh, we'll test take your Take these pills. Or, right. Or we'll test you for celiac. You don't have celiac disease. Go home. You're fine, right? Take Beano or something. Right. You'll keep doing that until now we found a problem. You have dyslipidemia. Your cholesterol is too high. Oh, my God. I have a solution for you, right? Just take Lipitor. And that's the solution that we've gone towards now. But your blood pressure is going to change, so you have to take this medication along with it so that you can stay healthy. And- oh, you're a thousand percent. Yeah. And, and back along the lines of sugar, like the most profitable disease there is is going to be diabetes. Mm-hmm. Right? It's the best thing anybody, any, any pharmaceutical company could hope that the general population gets. It's and, a disease they give themselves. Thankfully for them, it's on the rise, right? So, right, you start off with maybe just some simple metformin, but they don't give you a whole lot of dietary changes, or they do, but in that seven and a half minutes, they don't have a lot to say about how you should change your diet. Right. People, are, people don't know. They, people, I, I mean, I know a lot of people that generally want or try to eat healthy, sure. but their choices are all wrong. They're just, oh, yeah. it's not healthy. It's, it says it's healthy on the package. Or their friends thought it was healthy. Like they just don't, they don't have the right information. They don't, because it takes time to figure out what actually. My favorite line. Oh, I, I'm, I'm healthy. I eat, I eat pretty good. Everything in moderation. What does that mean? Right? What does it mean? It's going to mean something different to you. Mm-hmm. It's going to mean something different to me. It means, you know, in moderation, I only eat, you know, Oreo cookies, you know, once a day. Right, right. That, that's it. Just I moderate that. Like I, I know I could eat, a, you know, two boxes in a day, but I moderate that. Right. I only eat one roll of French bread a day. 
You're exactly right. So moderation absolutely means zero to me. And I chuckle now when moderation's I- a way you can govern your own misgivings. You can, you can easily say, well, that's moderate. So it, I'm fine to do it. And you can just well, give it, yourself the pass. People got it right. You know, I, I drink in moderation. Okay. You know, on the weekends I have two glasses of wine. Okay. That's, that's, that's moderation. That's mm-hmm. great. But moderation means something different to everybody. And to use that, and, and that's a dietitian thing. Do everything in moderation. You're fine. You know why dietitians can't tell you don't eat this, don't eat that? Because they're sponsored by some of the biggest corporations producing this food. Mm-hmm. Abbott Labs and uh, the Dairy Council, you know, they're, and they're still pushing skim milk. Hey, you want to hear one of the, and, and this is true. This is one of my only original thoughts that I've ever had uh, on dairy, right? Why does diet, every study in the world shows that low fat dairy makes you fatter and you'll have less muscle mm-hmm. tone. Yep. And they've shown that dietary uh, dairy fat is actually protective for heart disease. Knowing all this science that's out there, why do dietitians still tell you to drink low-fat dairy? I'll do you one better. Why did my kids come home from school with the standard pyramid for the food? Oh. Well, they should have the MyPlate now, it's, right? It's, yeah, it's not even, even the FDA isn't talking about the pyramid anymore. Why, why is, but kids in school are right. still being taught that. You can't because the lobbyist, right? So to give you an example why dietitians can't say that you know, high-fat dairy is better for you, it's because the Dairy Council is a premier platinum sponsor for the Academy of Registered Dietitians. So when I sell you skim you milk, be registered. Right, if I'm making skim milk, what did I take out of the milk? I'm feeding you this watered down skim milk that has more dramatic effect on your blood sugar. Mm-hmm. But now I have this byproduct, fat. So I can sell this byproduct. So I'm making twice the money. And I don't know the math on that, but I'm making, I'm making a lot more money. when Extra I revenue. You, yeah. Extra revenue. I'm making a lot more money when I sell you skim milk. So why not? Of course, I'm going to push it. Right. And, and again, it's not that dietitians are bad people. It's the education this system is set up. And of course, you're sitting there in school, you're getting your, 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 uh, you know, your master's degree or your bachelorette in, in diet, dietetics. And you're like, I'm hearing from this professor who obviously is crazy smart. And they're telling me all these things. I'm, I'm going to take it and I'm going to run with it because I believe this person. Right. I trust. I have full faith and trust in this person. Mm-hmm. You know, and there are a select group of dietitians that are going off the, off the, res- and they're doing their own thing. And they're like, wow, you know, we started doing our own independent research and a lot of this stuff is wrong. So they're starting to change things up. And obviously a lot of them can't because I think at some point they're going to get kicked out of that academy. Right. There's a lot of confusion too around it. Like I have, I've had a lot of people lately watching Game Changers and telling me yeah. uh, that I need to watch Game Changers because oh my you don't have to eat animals because animals eat plants and they're made of protein. So if you just eat plants, you get all the protein you need. Look, that's, yeah. Are you honestly just saying those words? Like the, I'm going to say it nice. That's faulty logic. Right. There's no science. It, no. it Plus animal, animal proteins, right? They're only complete, complete proteins and all complete proteins means it has the nine essential amino acids that we're required to stay healthy, right? Mm-hmm. Beans don't have that. There's, there's, there's no sources of plant-based protein that have all nine essential amino acids. So you'd have to mix up your beans in a very specific way. And most of the, most people are going to be deficient in protein and they, they profile these athletes. What they don't tell you is these athletes will drink nine protein shakes a day just to try to maintain right. ample protein. That are created in a lab to give them all of the different right. proteins. And, and then they use gladiators, which is awesome because we think a Hollywood gladiator and what they look like, and they're huge, right? We've right. seen the movie. They're amazing. Monsters. But gladiators were slaves. Right. They had an average lifespan of two and a half years. And then the co-author of that study who looked into gladiators, and of course he wasn't on Game Changers, but they eat that barley and rye, barley and rye or barley and oats or something. I think it's barley and oats. They eat that diet to fatten them up. 
because the wounds were mostly superficial. With the extra layer of fat, they'd be, the wounds would be more survivable. Mm-hmm. So that's why they fatten these guys up. So it's not, it's not what we're talking about these gladiators that are in Hollywood. Everybody wants to look like that, but that's not true at all. Right. That takes a different diet and yeah, a lot so of work. There's a lot of myths and misconceptions. There's some half truths, right? So if you take well, a sure. Half-truth. Right. And I haven't seen it. So the I'm, best I'm, thing, I'd want to say. The best thing I like to tell people, right? You watch that, it's persuasive, right? It's made by uh, Cameron, right? James Cameron, amazing director. And so it's, it's a high-end film. It's a lot of money film, but it's designed to be persuasive. the story is told really well. Of course it is. Now, let's, let's, I want people to go out and watch 9-11 truther videos on YouTube, right? Watch, watch Flat Earth. Watch 11, right. Watch 11 series of that. And you'll be like, dude, that's fucked up what America <laughs> did to our own buildings. <laughs> right. Right. You're going to start believing this. It's designed to be a persuasive argument right. using some truth and a lot of lies and sprinkling some things in. Right. You get but some there's experts. enough truth sprinkled in that you think, oh, maybe this is onto something. Right. Shit. You get some experts up there like, oh my God, this guy's a structural engineer. And he said, that's not possible. It's got to be true. Right. Because we tend as, as humans, as Americans, like we, we try to be trustworthy of people. Right. And well, we're wired to be. That's, we're communal. Right. We have to trust the others to move forward. That's, it's part of what we do. Yeah, you're 100% right. So we want to believe this stuff, especially when we're told by experts, even though the experts might not have our, our, our best... Uh, well, the expert might yeah. be on the take, like, you're, like yeah. with, uh, you know, from the dairy companies or from whoever, the expert might have an uh, ulterior motive. Or, right. Uh, and in, in the vegan and vegetarian world, and it, God bless them for it, right? The primary motivation for something like this is protection of animals. They love animals, and so do I. And I'm sorry, because so factory that. farming is gross. Like, I, I'm all, it's all fine. 100% with you. If you want to be a vegetarian because you don't want to see animals hurt, awesome. Right. But, but don't tell me that you can get just as much protein from a leaf as right. you can from... And they're uh, using uh, health as a catalyst to promote their cause, right? right. Their agenda. Yeah. So it doesn't always work out. Right. Especially where I think it, the misgivings there are, are really dangerous because, I, like, again, I haven't even watched it, but the people I'm hearing tell me about how wonderful it is and that they're changing their diet. They don't look deep enough um, to understand facts. Like, they, uh, the one I'm telling you... It, it, it blows my mind that someone thinks, well, you can just eat romaine lettuce and you'll build protein. Right. Your body will just make it. Right. Cause a, cause a rabbit eats it and a rabbit's made of protein. Mm-hmm. So the, I don't want to dig it's into a, it's the, a completely the flaw different. in that thinking. It's a different chemical reaction. It's a different system. Oh, yeah. You know, it, oh, it's, yeah. it's not the same thing, but the, but those same people, uh, I feel bad for them because they don't look deeper into what, even if they're going to live in a vegan or vegetarian way, what it takes to be healthy and do that. And it's it is, difficult. It's extremely difficult. Now, there will be a honeymoon, right? So if I decide to go vegan tomorrow, right, and I've been eating a standard American diet for the past 20 years, you know, Burger King, McDonald's, all mm-hmm. this other junk food, right? Most of my food comes from a box in the refrigerator. I throw it in the microwave, and that's my Hungry Man TV dinner. Right. right. It's healthy, though. It's set on the box, low right. fat. Right. But that's where I'm getting my primary sources of meat from is like McDonald's, Burger King, Hungry Man TV dinners and all this junk food. Right. Yep. And then all of a sudden I get rid of that stuff and I start eating plants. Mm-hmm. Anyone ever said plants are unhealthy? No. So there will 100% be a honeymoon period. Right. They'll feel great. They're all their biomarkers for health will improve. Yep. But lose then, weight. yeah, you'll lose weight. Right. And you'll feel better than you ever have. Mm-hmm. But that's because of all the changes you made. Now, what happens in the future, and this might be a month down the road, two months, even six months down the road, you start suffering from all these deficiencies. Mm-hmm. You know, B12, you're not getting any heme iron, which heme iron is one of the most absorbable and literally one of the only absorbable types of iron. You're not getting that because you're not eating animal products. And all the other deficiencies that you start getting. And then your, your health starts taking a turn for the worse. You start losing muscle, the energy, energy levels, right? They start going downhill. But typically at that point, they say, well, I need to be a stricter vegan. 
So it's funny, like a lot of these nutrition guys to include Rob Wolf, Chris Kresser, they used to be vegans. Mm -hmm. And then when they started getting sick because of being vegan, mm -hmm. they started being a stricter vegan. I like Kresser. I, think, I like listening to oh, him. Oh, he's one of the best. Yeah, he's good. I've been listening to him since he was in college. He's one of my number one guys because he keeps it real. Yeah, he does. And, and he just puts the argument out, just makes the, he puts out like, here's the thinking, you know, debunk it yourself. But I mean, here's what I'm thinking. Here's why. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. why I like him. And, and it is not even so much. Here's what I'm thinking. It's here's what the science says. Yeah. But, but yeah, and I, he'll I tell said you. it wrong. Here's what he's thinking about this new study, about oh, this piece of science, about this day. Yeah. He's, no he, skin he, in the he doesn't just come with an opinion. Nope. He comes with an opinion on a study, opinion on oh, yeah. the, the published results from somebody else, right. from an independent source. How much vitamin D should we be taking? How much selenium? Well, this study shows that if you're low in selenium, it causes this, this, and this, but there's also an upper limit. So if you're having too much selenium, it can cause this problem. If you're having too much of this, it can cause this problem. So basically, where's the best range? You know, and that's just what the science says. Argue yeah. with them. And that's, that's where, that's where once you get a passion for it and you're feeling the effects of eating well, you can dive into all that stuff. But I think that's the stuff you have to keep out of the initial conversations because right. it gets where it gets too scary. That's oh, like you're 100 people, right. people like, oh, yeah, I, can't, I, 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 can't, I can't do all that. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. oh, you don't have to. For the next year, just eat meats and vegetables. Oh, yeah. Healthy meats, not McDonald's. No, eat, I'm with you. you know, right. Preference. Cook, cook a steak. Grass cook, some, cook some chicken breast. Yeah. Yeah. And if you can't afford grass-fed or pastured, you know, a regular steak is going to be far better than what you're going to get at McDonald's or Burger King mm -hmm. or out of a box that you pulled out of your freezer. For sure. For sure. So uh, I, I, what time? What's the next class that's coming here? I don't want to. 3.30. Oh, so we are working good? Oh, yeah. For, oh, cool. So um, I'm probably going to take you off another tangent. But back to what we're talking about and fitting all the stuff into your life. Um, you were... Again, trying to make that point, and I took you off on another, another tangent. Yeah, so, I love the tangent. I don't mind at all. <laughs> so we're talking about how you fit them all through discipline. And I'm, but I'm curious also, through owning the business, and like by having the discipline to prioritize the things and making the various things happen, where nutrition's not taking up that much time, but mm -hmm. it gives you, it gives you the, the clout, and you probably meet some people. It's my and, passion, for sure. It, but it also facilitates learning, right? So I'm always in the books, always trying to learn something new. Mm -hmm. And there's new stuff coming out because nutrition, it's, it's a science, right? So it's constantly changing. There's like the gut stuff. That's, that's new oh, that, over the last few years. Stuff. It's all new stuff. Yeah. But it seems like also it's just knowing you as a person. So outside of the nutrition thing, it seems like that there's been a lot of um, enjoying. Like you mentioned, you're a family man too. You've got a wife, you've oh, got yeah. kids. And 27 it, it, years. It's not that that's gone, right? That, that gets no, a lot no, of no. attention it's too. In fact, it seems like it's amplified. You're taking, you do a lot of travel. You guys do a lot of things together. You're, you're oh, yeah. active. Yeah. So lots of people struggle with that. Right. And that's where we, like we were talking before we started rolling today. One of the, one of the ways that I view things and getting paid in time. And I spend a lot of time with the family and doing the activities and all that sort of stuff. Do you think having the discipline that got you to be able to have these things running mm -hmm. does it then enable the freedom or does it you know jail your life like how does it impact your life on a personal level to have all this stuff going on I don't know because my life has become about this right my daughter's in college you know she's in nursing school right now so my son is off in North Dakota you know he's doing cybersecurity in the military uh, so they're not around like my my 20 year old daughter doesn't want to hang around with dad at this time she's got her friends and she she works you know she she works and she's going to school. Mm -hmm. So she's busy. She's in and out. You know, I see her. I give her a hug and a kiss. And, hey, it's good to see you. I haven't seen you in three days. She's staying over at a friend's yeah. house because she's babysitting in the morning and that house is closer. Like, so I don't see her. Then my, my wife works full time, too. Mm -hmm. So sometimes she's getting home at 7 at night, sometimes 9 at night, right? 
So we, we always set time aside and we just love hanging out together, you know, uh, of anyone that I want to hang out with. It's her, you know, we've been together 27 years and we don't argue, we don't fight. We just, we hang out, we have fun. We watch a Netflix series or, you know, we go on vacations together. So I feel lucky that way too, with my wife, we've been together 20 years and she's, she's, if I'm going to hang out with one friend, I'm picking her. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. It's nice. That's totally cool, right? That's your, that's your comfort, and that's it I certainly think, makes a lot of things easier in life. You know, it's well, it, it does. It, it makes it nice. It's a it's a it does, and I'm I'm thankful for it. It's not like it goes unnoticed. Well, we're lucky. Know? We're blessed. We picked the right one, and and hopefully you pick the right one the first time. Yeah, you just I mean, never know. It's, and it's funny in my presentation know. when I talk to cops, right? I talk about shift work and your supervisors and bosses and relationships and how much alcohol you choose to drink, and the, and then we talk about what is within your control and what is what what's not in your control right and most of these are young kids they're not married yet right and we get to relationships and i say is this something that's in your control and a lot of them won't raise their hand because they don't know it's within control and i'm like well you picked them right like so if you're unhappy in your relationship especially if i mean it gets a little complicated when you when you have kids and this isn't that type of podcast right Right. you can listen to dr phil for that (laughs) stuff but like all these things are within our span of control. Right. It's all a choice. So if you can control it, right, why not make sure you're as happy as you can be? Mm-hmm. And there's always give and take, right? You can't always have things your way. No. But if there's some give and take that can make things healthy, like just roll with it. Yeah. Like my wife in, in my house, we have some give and take. Like she's always right. And I just smile and nod. <laughs> right. And yeah, I'm, just, I'm, I'm familiar. <laughs> over, the course, over the course of a quarter century, like I figured out that's the best way to go. <laughs> and she's always been supportive, I assume, of oh, yeah. founding another business and opening up a gym and all of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Occasionally think, we get a paycheck from the gym and I'm like, that's my check. She's like, I'm part owner too. Like, so she's, <laughs> it's true though. You know, and I've, I've always looked at it that way. Um, I've been with my wife, you know, even since before we were married, I had, I had the business, but the, this business was budding like when we were meeting in college. And sure. so she was, even, even when we were not married and we were dating, she was supportive. Cause a lot of times I'd be up late at night editing videos and doing, you know, doing all the stuff. Cause I used to do right. all the work back right. then. I, like everything that got done was, was me. I was like one man band at the time. So she was always like, without question, willing to just, that's amazing. Just She's got yeah, full faith like, and confidence in you. Yeah. And that she would just, always supportive, always willing to help if I needed help. And if what I needed was space, all right, I'll be right here when you're, when you're done and and we can talk. Yeah. And she's, it's really lucky man. I am. And it's never faltered. It sounds like you have that too. And I think, uh, it's one of those things that, well, it's a choice, you know, a choice in who you're with, but it's one of those lucky ingredients that can enable the ability to do something like start a business or take a new adventure. Because if you have the opposite of that and it's, uh, relationship you're committed to, but it's not a supportive one and it's grinding that can, that can put the brakes on a lot of things you might want to do in life. Oh, hundred percent. But don't forget, like our life now is easy. Like when I was in the military, I, I might've been separated from my wife for five total years. When you add them all, all between deployments and training, yeah. you know, I was gone. I think I missed my daughter's first 10 birthdays, you know, just cause I was gone to some training or or deployed overseas somewhere. Yeah, so, so now what's now, a late night at work? It's just yeah, a couple hours. This is easy. Yeah. And she's actually on the, on the FEMA disaster management team. So occasionally, okay. yeah, she got deployed to Maria down in Puerto Rico. She had to sit out the hurricane. Wow. Uh, she went to Texas, uh, Louisiana. Like, so she, she's got her little deployments under her belt too. That's awesome. Which is good. And of course I support that, you know, it's Yeah, great. for sure. Is she into CrossFit too? <laughs> yes. She's, she's a member here. She, no she, kidding. Oh, she, she came yesterday. Let's stop there. Okay. Sounds great. <laughs> no, and like I said, like she's been working a lot and I, I'm trying to curtail that just a little bit so mm-hmm. she can have some more me time. 
I think her sleep's been suffering and her workouts have been suffering. So this is some of the things like we're talking about at home. Yeah. We're just hanging out. So she did come yesterday, which I was really happy, but she can work till seven at night, you know, uh, a last workouts at seven 30. Sometimes she can't make it. Sometimes she works till nine at night. So it's difficult because she's right. working from 12 to 16 hour shifts when mm-hmm. she works. And I'll try to come back to the business. So, um, how many different classes, like when do you guys open in the morning? When do you close at night? And do you, does the partners kind of do you all, so you all have day jobs, right? Yeah. So do you guys try to balance the, cause if you're, if you're open from like six or 5am until seven yeah. or nine well, at there's night, a few, there's a few ways we do that. First of all, our hours, we're open 5.30am, 6.30am. That was a difficult hours because some people are morning people. I don't include myself in that demographic, right? Um, then we have 11.30 in the afternoon. That was a class that just finished before we popped in here. Mm-hmm. And then we 3.30, 4.30, 5.30, 6.30, 7.30 in the evening. So typically us owners, we, have, we, we own a day, right? So I do evening classes on Wednesday. So I'll do the 4.30, 5.30, 6.30, and 7.30. Okay, that makes sense, owning a day. Yeah, right. And, but the same time, what we also do, we do this programming, like we're not too good to, to design our own programming and because the programming here isn't, you know, all you're doing when, you, when, when you're doing your own thing is you're saying, well, the programming that we do here isn't good enough. So all, the only thing I've ever done is the programming from the gym. Well, because that's pressure testing the programming. Now you're well, making sure is. the program is working right. Oh, you're a thousand, a thousand percent. That's just another way to look at it. But we're involved with the membership. We're part of the membership. Uh, we don't look at ourselves as owners or trainers. Like when I'm out here on the floor just working out, I'm just one of the guys like who wants to be my partner for this team workout. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't care who I partner with. I'd rather partner with a new person. Yeah. And, and you learn that too. Like you guys are obviously, I know all three of you and you're fit guys and you've been doing this for a long time, but it's not like we're not Olympians. Like it's not the, you know, it's, it's easy to get caught up that way, but there's going to be fit kids coming in and out and there's oh, yeah. going to be, there's going to be yeah. younger athletes. And if you're, if you're always trying to be like, no, I'm the, I'm the apex of the place. You're never going to have a healthy gym, right? There's no. always going to be stronger, faster, no, no. younger. That, that's, a, that's another thing we encourage is like, you're working out to be healthy. You're not working out to be the best. Let's be honest. Like no one from CrossFit Worcester is going to the CrossFit games. It's not, it's not nearly as possible. Anymore. If you have an actual job, no. If you're sponsored. Right, those are athletes now, like professionals. That's their 100% job. 100% professional yeah. athletes. I mean, the purse is up to like, what, $300,000 or something like Never that. mind the sponsors. And I mean, right. it's a life that gets enabled That's by being job. the best. But yeah, Rich very small Rich world. Rich Froning used to be a firefighter. He can't be a firefighter. Taught him everything he knows. <laughs> well, we knew that. Like he had, he was lucky enough to have you as a coach. <laughs> That's right. He's a four-time champion. That's right. <laughs> I could have been the champion all four of those years. I took, I stepped back to let him shine. <laughs> well, that was kind of you. <laughs> I'm a hell of a guy. So yeah, you... To be that type of athlete, you are a professional athlete. You don't have another job. All you do is train, get massages, get chiropractic care. That's that's all you do. Mm-hmm. And you have a nutrition coach. You have a, literally a coach for everything. Mm-hmm. And then you're just a badass too. Like right. you were born a badass. Oh, for sure. There's there. I mean, there's superhumans that are. I mean, uh, LeBron James. Unbelievable. We can't all be LeBron. No. You can work as hard as you want. Yeah, yeah. hard work will get you a far. Uh, it'll get you places, but it will not make you John Jones. It no. will not make you LeBron James. Yeah. There are uh, Gronk. Nope. Right. Sorry. I mean, that's, there are certain people that are just, um, they're, they're special. Yeah. They're, they're born another way. Yeah. Genetics but, has something to do. I'm a, I'm a short white guy. Me too. I, uh, like I'm not going to be in the NBA and I'm okay with that. Right. Like, not everybody can have everything they want. Just find something you enjoy. Okay. Right. And I think it makes a huge difference to have a sport in your life, which is cool about CrossFit uh, is it's a sport. It's not just going to the gym where like, 
going to the gym can get old really fast. Yeah. But having a thing you do with right. friends or with people and having it be active, I think it, it adds to your whole life. Like, like I have friends who are always bitching about their fitness level or they want to be more fit or that, you know, they're always shitting on themselves for being fat or, right. or whatever it is. Yeah. But there's never, there's never a change. What are you doing? And, yeah. and if they do go to the gym, they go for a week, right. two weeks. And then and we talked over. about that. They ride the bike for 20 minutes, never break a sweat and they step out and they're out. You can tell all their friends and update their Facebook status. Like I went to the gym and, and I'm not shitting on that, but is it working for you that you always That's have to what ask I'm getting that at. question? They're is not it? having fun with it. Right. And if I think for it to change your life, for it to be a thing, like when I, when I work out, it's the best part of my day. It's, well, oh, yeah. you know, aside from this, my kids and playing, of but course, like f- for you, as far as the time I take, yeah. if you're going to include like work and, and gym and all that, my favorite time of alone time or whatever is gym is, is I'm either at uh, like jujitsu or I'm lifting or whatever I'm doing it. I, I enjoy it. I'm looking forward to it and it's going to be fun. And if you don't have that mentality, you can get it. I mean, it's not just because I love working out. I was overweight sitting on a couch sure. too. It's, it's all, it goes back to mental and discipline and, and, but you can change the way you think. But I think to do that, you have to find something fun. Oh yeah. Like, like, like a CrossFit or, or you and, know, find something and the that funny you can thing enjoy. Is, the way things work, expect, you know, when we sign up, we, we have a three month commitment and there's a real reason for that because when they get in there, these movements, some of them are very complicated and, and sometimes people can get frustrated mm-hmm. and that's why we try to take some of that pressure off them. So over the course of time, when they show up, and like I said, the only thing we can't do is make them walk through that door. But when we do see people who are consistent, now they're starting to get the movements, right? They're starting to get that technique down. Mm-hmm. And then they're starting to be consistent with that technique. And they're starting to and feel they're good. Feeling, they're feeling right. strong and they're feeling and energetic. And then, it, then they're like, oh my God, I'm falling in love with this. And then, you know, during that the whole time, they're, they're getting to meet the person to their left and the person to their right. And like, these guys are super cool. Like mm-hmm. we've had relationships and marriages come out of this gym. Yeah, no doubt. We've had a lot of BFFs, a lot of BFFs that have come out of this gym. You know, I had just hanging out with this person. Oh, I just met them. You know, it, so like that's, that's a real cool thing. But once you get involved in that, especially that community, because we can't, we, you can't really grasp the community over a podcast, even a video, right? You'd have to be here because yeah, it's, you emo- feel it. it's emotional, right? When you start getting involved in this community, we, we hang out together, we party together. Support each other. Yeah. I mean, it goes deeper than just hanging out. Getting married, right? You know, most of the people invited to his wedding, they're, they're from here. You know, that's just who we are. We, we, you know, we go to a three, four weddings a year. Um, just it, our members. Because married. of that community. That, because that's of what's that really cool. It's so much fun. It's like, all, it, this is my life now. So you talk about this being a business, this being a job. It's not, really. It, I mean, it's something we have to support the business, but really my entire, entire social life is wrapped around this gym and the people in it. And that's beautiful. That, like, that's what I was driving at with the question about how it enables your life is, so what you, it's a lot of what I get out of my business. What you get out of this is what you want in life. You've, you like the, the business uh, by design, and even if some of it happens like as an evolution, you know, but oh, yeah. by design, it feeds what you want into your life. And, and that, doesn't, that doesn't happen by accident. Like the, it, that it, you feeds, don't, it feeds who I am. Yeah. It feeds how I do police work. You know, I know there's just so many great people in the world. I see people as great people. And I, I sort of treat people on, during police work, you know, when I did calls, and occasionally I do mm-hmm. uh, still do some police calls, but I'll, I'll treat them like I treat people here. And people can relate to that. That and that that blows my mind because we were talking earlier. Uh, the the police work blows my mind because I I can't and I and I have um I have other friends that are policemen but also nurses and just people that work on like the you know the front lines of dealing with and caring for and helping people yeah 
it, you, you see the worst. You see, you do great things and you see right. great people and you, you see, see nice worst, things but we too. But you see people at their worst. Yes. Yeah. And, and I, I, I often wonder like if, if every day everyone was lying or trying to pull one over or normally, uh, or like in a nurse's case, same thing, lying to you. Like, what are you on? Why? Uh, nothing. I, I, right. ju I just woke up. I've been, it's, yeah. it's, it's a constant battle. Like how do you go home and then look at your kids as these bright little lights of wonder as, cause they're, they're obviously a different kind of human than that, you know, yeah. asshole that was lying to me, but they're not, you know, right. no, no, so no. How, like, God, you probably can't answer nature, that, but how do you balance that? Nature and nurture. It's compartmentalized. I don't see it as any different, right? Well, I won't even say compartmentalized because a lot of people talk that, like, you got to put the police work in a little box and you got to put your You're a human. You, you're alive. You can't do that. It depends. I guess everybody deals with this stuff differently. I understand the world for what it is. I'm under no illusion that everybody in the world is good people. You know, otherwise I wouldn't have a job. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I go out there. You just treat people with respect, you know, um, you give them respect first and usually it'll be reciprocated. And I, I, I always found that part of it easy. I don't know. So it's different for different people. It just sort of came natural to me. I really enjoy it. And I love talking to people and I love talking to people at their worst. You know, if their if their attitude is, you know, high and they're angry and they're volatile, you know, can we bring them down a little bit so we can have a conversation and talk about what happened? Yeah. Or if they're really low, can you bring them up? Can they, can yeah, they, so can I guess, they get I guess better? no matter what it is, I think if you look at it as a challenge to bring it into the best place for the best outcome, no matter what it is, police work, nursing uh, in here, right? I, th I think if you look at life as a challenge like that, instead of just accept it and getting beat up all the time, it, it just becomes, I don't know, I, I hate to call it a game because it's life, but it just kind becomes, of is though. Yeah, it just becomes it just becomes easy. And over time, of course, the more you do that, it becomes second nature and you don't even think about it anymore. You just enjoy it. It's just part of the ride. And it's great. Like my wife's a, a nurse and she was an ER nurse for a long time. And she still works per diem and same fees as an ER nurse. So we see a lot of the same people, the same types of people with the same problems. So I can come home and I can yeah, tell fact, her about the people I seen today and what happened. And, you know, as a guy attacked me or he tried to wrestle me or shit. I mean, I've been shot at, right? And then she comes home and she tells me the same thing. It just, and she loves to tell stories. So that's one of the first things she does. Even when I'm involved in a TV show, she'll, she'll, she'll reach over, she'll pause the show and, and she'll, she'll want to tell me about a story. And I'm like, wow, that's crazy. That's, it's funny, man. That's awesome too, because so maybe not literally, but between the police officer and the nurse, A, you guys can share war stories and you understand each other because they're similar. So it's not like a, you know, a police officer and then a marketing person. Right. It's that you understand like oh, the, the, the things that you see, but you might literally have a continuation that like you, you might've arrested a guy that ends up uh, that you have to, before yeah. you can put him in jail, you got to take him to the ER, whatever the story is. And then oh, the nurse had, is dealing with a, that person. We've, we've had a lot of that. That's, uh, that's, yeah. that's unique. That's, that's really crazy. I bet there's some good stories. And I, I think I've yet to meet a police officer or firefighter that doesn't like to tell stories. Yeah. That, that yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a job that comes with like free stories. Well, not free, you, you know, yeah, yeah it's about well, to get them. For the, record, for the record, I'm a horrible storyteller. Like I might remember a pretty good story for the first week. And then after that, like the story starts changing a little bit or, or I totally forget it or I'm not as passionate when I tell it. And I'm like, oh, I got to wait till the next story. Right. Well, then just make a new story. Just go back out on the street <laughs> right, and make right, a new story. Um, it, it's a, we've been an hour and a half, so I don't want to take up too much more of your time. And I think that last message about whether it's your business or your job or whatever, sure, looking, sure, sure. looking at making each, um, interaction or each thing just better and what can you give to it i think that's awesome the final thing i want to ask you and leave it at that is 
in running your business, in having, let's just talk about this one because sure. you get a lot. Has there, has there been anything when you look back that was like a, you didn't see that coming or a, that was something I wish I knew, not like a nugget of knowledge for the next entrepreneur, just something that hit you in the face. Like for me, it was hiring. It was way, higher, way harder to find and keep good people than I ever thought it would be. That's funny because that's where my brain was going. <laughs> yeah. So what we found is we're much better off to hire from within our community. Oftentimes we've sort of reached out, you know, we know, Hey, I got my level one certificate. I am a CrossFit coach. You know, I'd love to work for you. And they seem genuine and passionate. And we give them an interview and they're like, yeah, we'll give you a try. It's never worked out. Hmm. It's never, ever, ever worked out. So now when we hire from within our community, these people, you know, they walked in, maybe they're completely out of shape. They turn into complete badasses and they're just awesome. They get a good way with people. So now we know them. Mm -hmm. So literally their interview could have been years long and they've been affected by the community. Yes. They already know what it means to be a part right. of it. They've, they've bought in. Yeah. Makes total sense. Barrel and they want to be part of the community. They just want to be more, a bigger part of the community. So we've had awesome success by doing it that way. That's awesome. I mean, who can say, you know, I'm a three year interview. Like, yeah, I want yeah, this. Yeah. You, I mean, what more do we need to know? I know this person as much as I'm going to be we able know to them. We yeah. know their family, their spouse, their significant other, like, and we know we've seen them around people, you know, they're not controversial. We've um, seen them sprint and drink beer. We've seen yeah. them. <laughs> Honestly, if that's not part of it, you're crazy. <laughs> right. Yeah. So they're just all around good people. I'm like, yeah, this is a no brainer. Like, you know, as soon as we got an opening, we, we let this person jump in and like now we're having a blast because they were always part of the community. So it's, it's essentially seamless. So it's perfect and it, it works out. It always, it always has. And we, we've made mistakes in the past and, you know, you just learn from them and you move on. Mistakes comes up on every single podcast I do with every business owner from every walk of life because that's, that's really the way forward. And in, in whatever, in your diet and fitness and yeah. your life in college and raising your kids, you, you, make, you make mistakes and you look at them honestly and then you try to figure out how to not do that again and, and do better. And, and here's, here's a key word for any business owner out there. Don't be afraid to make the difficult decisions. Okay. Me, I, I literally try to be a nice guy. Like I'm, I'm an emotional guy and I hate to have to hurt people's feelings. I really do. It's one of the worst things in the world they have to do as a business owner, but you are better off to do it sooner rather than later. It's like tearing off the bandaid. Yeah. And that's one thing Scott was always good at. You know, we got to get this done. We got to do this. And I'm like, Oh, it pains my heart, but you're he's, he's right. And every time we did it and I'm like, that's the best thing we ever did. Cause now you can move on. Now we can move Once on. you address it, it's like, you know, if you, if you just let it like oh, be that thing in the it's corner. It's like an infection yeah. on your leg. Yep. Like you let it fester. Like this don't thing look will, directly at it. This <laughs> thing will get better eventually until gangrene sets in and right. you lose your business. Then you lose your leg. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. Uh, is there anything else you want to touch on? Oh, no. I we think, can do this again. This is super fun and I yeah. would totally do it again, but I don't want to go more <laughs> than, I don't want to get in the way of the business running and everything I know. No, it's totally cool. Like, uh, yeah, I'd love to get together again if we can. I mean, we'll see how many listeners. I mean, if you can get more than six listeners on, Oh, I wouldn't count like, on that. Would, that <laughs> <laughs> so that'll listeners. be the threshold to see if we do that. If, if we get over six, then we're yeah. going to go for episode number two. All right. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'll send you the stats that the day like we hit six. All right. Thanks, man. All right, Adam.